Welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today on the Modern MBA podcast, we are speaking with Oro Sashwat, who with a passion for biodiversity, wildlife conservation, and renewable energy, is studying an MBA at Bologna Business School with a specialism in green energy and sustainability. If I could ask you please to start by introducing yourself, tell us your name, where you're from and where you're doing your MBA. Hello, thank you for having me here. So uh, my name is Oro Shashwat and I am from India and I come from a small town on the southeast coast of India called Pondicherry. Uh, which was a form of French territory. So uh, we speak French there as well. And uh, I just completed uh, my uh, courses for the MBA. I'm doing an MBA at the University of Bologna Business School, and I'm specializing in green energy and sustainable businesses. Fantastic. There we go. I've learned something already this evening. I knew where Pondicherry was, but I had no idea that you guys, um, you also speak French there. Yes, that's a little secret. It's like a little French town in India. Lovely. All right. So, Ori, you started your career in biodiversity and wildlife conservation. Can you talk us through your, the early part of your career up until your MBA? Most certainly. So, uh, I think before starting off, I'd like to like, tell a little story about how it all began, uh, my interest in biodiversity. So, yeah, so uh, it was uh, right before I started the uh, college which is your undergraduate and in our school we had to do uh, like a like a uh, talk or a presentation to the school and I was thinking what to do about it and I chose the tiger so my parents took me to Kanha Tiger Reserve which is in the in central India it's a very popular national park which hosts uh, uh, a good uh, number of Royal Bengal Tigers in India and I think and that was the first time that I saw my first tiger and interestingly like uh, during the whole trip, all my photos of the tigers, they were all blurred. Why? Because whenever I saw the tiger, the emotion that it brought out, it would just make your hand shiver, right? So I couldn't take a single clear photo of the tiger. And that's something they taught me, like an animal that brings out such an emotion in you, it, it has to be protected. And everything that it supports as an umbrella species, that has to be protected. And that's how my interest got in for biodiversity and for wildlife conservation. And with that, I uh, followed up with, uh, I did an MSc in ecological consultancy at Newcastle University in the UK. And then I joined uh, United Nations Development Program to do my work on biodiversity conservation. So we'd work closely with the government of India, developing projects and um, implementing and uh, managing them on the field. A few interesting things for that uh, were, uh, now you'd uh, hear a lot about nature-based solutions. So in India, with the government of India and UNDP, we had started this project uh, or an assignment called the India Biodiversity Awards that, was, uh, that gave a platform to grassroots seven nature-based conservations at the national level. And the other interesting project that I worked on there was uh, on uh, conserving snow leopards in the Himalayas. So that was the, that really like, you know, looking at not just about uh, biodiversity, but also looking at communities and that's brought in that brought in the angle of uh, how renewable energy is important uh, because if you note that the areas that are hotspots of biodiversity also hold some of the most uh, uh, fragile communities 
So, and, and the best way to really support them or to bring development to them is to give them access to uh, energy, that is, and especially renewable energy. So I shifted my career. I went from biodiversity conservation. I looked at energy access. So I worked at a grassroots level um, organization that was trying to work on SDG 6 and SDG 7, that is uh, giving access to safe and drinking, uh, safe drinking water, as well as access to energy. Um, so that was there. And then I joined the World Resource Institute to work on a project called the Access to Energy for Development. So we worked with uh, uh, like social loads. So that would be your schools, your hospitals, uh, your skilling centers, and, and in those were in very remote parts of the country, and how we could help them uh, get better access to energy through renewable energy, like solar, wind, et cetera. And I took this uh, the kind of skill that I'd got in uh, renewable energy, and I went back to UNDP, to develop another project. This was again a, a very interesting project that was looking at the conservation of small wild cats. While uh, a lot of projects are focused on the iconic species, which is your your elephants, tigers, and lions, etc. This project was looking at the small predators, so which was very interesting. And there, I brought in this uh, knowledge of uh, renewable energy. So to give an uh, idea. Uh, in these parts of the country, there were high incidences of uh, uh, leopard attacks on uh, uh, humans, and this was a, and women and children were especially vulnerable. So, what studies had found out that if you could give, uh, uh, if you could provide uh, electricity or light points, that could significantly reduce the chances of wildlife and animal uh, uh, human conflict. So, this is where renewable energy came in, and uh, we tried to like uh, you know uh, propose this solution to. Uh, basically reduce the incidences of uh, uh, human and wildlife conflict. So yeah, so uh, this has been basically my trajectory uh, in my career. And uh, after that, I joined the MBA. That's so interesting. So when you, um, the reason, the link between like the um, electricity and the um, the reduction in like leopard attacks, um, was that because like the the light, um, like it frightens the animals away and it makes them less likely to to come into closer contact with humans? Exactly, yes. So they, it, it, a dark corners, they, and if you just, I mean, like if you see anywhere, even in cities where there are like dark corners, there'll be a higher incidences of a crime or something. In the similar way, light, if there is a well-lit area, animals will not come into that area. So that kind of reduces as well the uh, incidences there. Yeah. So similarly, yeah, you're right. Wow. Well, you were speaking to two really big cat lovers um, this evening. So um, really, from both Kristen and I, thank you so much for all of your work with these with these amazing animals. Thank you. It's, it's been a very interesting experience as well. And uh, working uh, in India, which is an extremely pluralistic environment, so you meet different stakeholders, like, uh, uh, you know, from communities to government and everyone else. So uh, working there, really, you get to learn a lot. So that's been uh, very helpful, yeah. You've mentioned your MBA, so we've we've talked about your career up until the um, up until the point of your MBA. Um, so tell us about what kind of made you decide to come and do an MBA, and also how did you choose your program as well? Sure. Uh, so uh, if uh, so, when you notice, like um, in my career, most of the work that I've done is around projects. So there was a lot of project management, uh, developing projects, interacting with stakeholders and developing relationships so there's a lot of people management and things like that and that's what really uh, made me think that uh, i should uh, upskill myself uh, with uh, the uh, with the skills that is required to be a good manager uh, 
Uh, also, if you see that uh, I wanted to specialize in renewable energy. So uh, when I was deciding an MBA, I did not just want to do a general MBA, but I wanted to do an MBA that specializes in renewable, renewable energy. And that is where the University of Bologna Business School course came in because it was one of the very few courses that was actually providing this uh, specialization. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it must be noted that nowadays it's very common for uh, most MBA courses to have some electives in sustainability because it's so important these days. But uh, I wanted to go beyond just having an elective to something that really helps me specialize. Uh, so uh, that was my motivation to do an MBA and especially uh, for uh, choosing uh, the Bologna Business School MBA degree. Just tell us a bit about your experience with the course. Um, so which part of your MBA have you found um, the most enjoyable and most helpful? And were there any parts that were particularly challenging? We did this course at the height of the pandemic. So that was uh, already quite an interesting experience. Uh, but in general, the course has been very good. And the school has some very distinguished professors for green finance, environmental law, geopolitics. So that kind of gives you uh, uh, the basically the information and the knowledge that you require to really tackle uh, the world or uh, the world of business and, and the world of management right now. And uh, one thing I'd really like to note is that here they did a great job in organizing in-person classes during the pandemic. So uh, for our course, we had uh, uh, an international exhibition venue that was uh, completely booked by the university for us. So we could follow the you know social distancing measures, other safety measures, and we could really have a normal MBA course as much as possible. And uh, regarding like the parts that I really enjoyed, as as it's an M MBA, so there was a lot of uh, learning on the go and a lot of self-learning that was involved. It wasn't ab about uh, professors just telling us that this is how you should do it. Rather, they would just give you a problem and you'd have to come up with solutions or figure out the solutions on our own. So which was uh, quite interesting and, and very different from the master's experience that I had before. So yeah, so, so that, I think that's been uh, great for me. Perfect. So we touched upon it already a little bit, but so you're specializing in green energy and sustainability. Why did you choose this and, and what does it mean on your course? How does it get integrated in? Because MBAs are usually quite general. So how do you integrate it on a day-to-day -day basis? So uh, uh, so for my motivation for really uh, choosing an MBA, as I've mentioned, is that uh, um, uh, you see like uh, conservation and development, they should go hand in hand. It's uh, we have moved beyond a very protectionist attitude towards conservation, wherein we just focus on the animals to a more uh, uh, like it's a it's a balanced uh, idea where we also want to help the communities that are around these uh, um, uh, forests and habitats that that really host these iconic species. So we have to give that kind of a approach, and that is where I think like that the the GC a lot of the communities around these forests they depend on the forest for energy uh, be it fire firewood and and other things so the a way to really wean them off at least a little bit from uh, the from relying too much on the forest is to actually give them access to uh, energy and the best like the cleanest source of energy that you can give is uh, through renewable energy and uh, mini grids and solar home systems they have been great at this so this was my motivation because if you see my by formal training, I am an ecologist and I am not an engineer. 
and uh, I really wanted to understand the nitty gritties of renewable energy. And that is why I wanted to do this MBA. And you're right that MBA is usually a general, general, it's about general management. So how the school really handled it was we had in the beginning, we had our general uh, management courses that, uh, that, that were there. And towards the end, we had very specialized uh, courses that uh, focus on sustainability, on renewable energy, on sustainable performance, on the SDGs, on the GRIs, and other uh, tools that uh, managers of uh, the future and today would really need to make their businesses or their organization sustainable and be really in line with what is required uh, to uh, to be green, basically. Yeah? So that's how the course really tackled it. That's really interesting. And so then it makes me, I mean, you might not know, because I mean, it's, you're still, you know, in the program, we're just, you know, just about to finish, but where do you take it? You know, how, where, what are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great question. So, uh, so currently I am actually doing a very interesting internship, pro, internship as part of the MBA uh, with Oxfam Italy. And uh, that is on the water, energy and food nexus uh, for the MENA region. So uh, as you can already see, like, you know, so I had this uh, skill for biodiversity and then I gathered this skill on energy and, and uh, I'm, I'm working on this nexus. So it is, it is looking at not just uh, like one approach, but rather uh, three different things and how you can really work around them. Uh, not focusing on one aspect, but rather looking at all these three things together. And so, and we are also looking at the EU Green Deal and how how the EU can really help in 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 this area, their neighborhood, as to like develop and you know like be sustainable. And so that is where I am currently. And in the future, of course, as I I come from a development background, I'm a development professional, so I will definitely go back there. Um, but as I said, so previously, while I was as a, I was working as an ecologist, now I can give a two-pronged solution, which not just looks at conserving nature, but that also looks at sustainability and also how to basically bring in energy access and renewable energy to the communities to uh, foster development. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're really starting before the problem starts. Exactly. Yes, that is true. And that's how I think like, like even when we are talking about the pandemic and that's how it should have been. Uh, right now we are doing a, rea- it's a reactionary approach where I just have, had to be pro- proactive. And um, that's why I think like, and yeah, just to mention uh, in this, I think uh, in my last assignment in UNDP, I was also uh, looking at the One Health framework, uh, which looks at uh, planetary health or looks at the environment health, like the linkages between the environment health, the animals, which is your domestic and wildlife, as well as the humans and how they are linked and how really uh, like, uh, you know, like uh, basically catch symptoms before it, uh, before a disease or a, a, a zoonotic disease really jumps to humans. So, you know, so these are the kind of things that we have to have, like become more uh, proactive in, in our approach. I did, and it's um, it's it's kind of related to what you talked about before, right? Because for me, and um, I know for me, like wildlife and um, protection of um, like endangered species is something that I feel really strongly about. Um, but I also I recognise the difficulty, I suppose, of um, you know, when people are living in communities, um, 
where they're struggling with the impact sometimes of, of some of these animals. But um, I really liked what you were saying about, I suppose, taking a holistic approach. So it's not just looking at the animals, like protection of the, the wildlife itself, but the, I suppose, the role that it kind of plays in the, the community and the ecosystem. Um, do you feel that's like a more, a more successful approach for, to, to conservation? Definitely it is. And, and uh, if you look at uh, the projects that are uh, supported by um, UNDP, UNEP and WWF right now, there's a lot of focus on the, on the landscape approach. So wherein it, it is uh, not just one area, but it's a, it, it could be like different areas uh, that are part of one particular landscape and they, they are interspersed with uh, habitations and communities. So uh, it's uh, on one side you have uh, initiatives or activities in these kind of programs that are focused on conservation uh, and on uh, on you know like uh, wildlife uh, uh, on uh, stopping wildlife illegal wildlife trade and trafficking and things like that. But on the other side, there's also a lot of focus on how to basically help the communities that are there and on on better probably like better farming practices. There's a lot of focus on agroecology these days. And so the and you know also about like uh in the global south the, the communities that are that are living around uh, around uh, forests uh, they also produce a lot of handicrafts and other products and uh, but they, what they lack is that access to market so so these kind of agents uh, organizations they come in and they also help in how uh, they could basically provide that uh, access to market or maybe like uh, uh, value additions to the products that the communities are already making. So there is both ways, uh, and um, that way I think that the uh, both the sides they really uh, prosper, and also uh, when when the community also sees that there is a um, uh, like a, the like the wildlife is actually good for them uh, because it it also brings in these tourists who who want to see the wildlife as well as they want to buy their products and things like that. So they are also uh, more uh, more keen to uh, save it. And not see it as a threat. Yeah, that complete. I mean, it's it's like any other project, right? It's kind of you're working with a diverse array of stakeholders with very different opinions, and it's getting people to see the the value in what you're doing, the same as you would with with any other project. And um, just one other question that I had as well was about, I suppose, the role of technology in this area. Um, it feels like there's kind of a tech for everything these days. So you've got kind of like fintech, edtech, um, like legal tech or law tech. What about like the wildlife tech space? Like, is there anything that's kind of happening in conservation or this area that's um, that's particularly interesting that you're aware of? Uh, well, from my perspective, that where I have worked, which is primarily in India, uh, we have uh, we uh, like you know in our the uh, the forest department that is there. We trying to skill them with uh, drone technology and you know and also like uh, basic things like some of the some of the people in the forest department. There's a lot of uh, they could be uh, facing like arsenic poisoning of the uh, of the groundwater. So helping them like uh, give solutions that could filter the groundwater because uh, they might be affected as they're spending a lot of time in the forest and they are. Um, dependent on the water that is available to them, how could you do that? How how to save them? And in in general, and and but if you see in other parts of the country, they they be more advanced uh, monitoring uh, programs that are going on and stuff like that. So I think uh, technology could be quite. Uh, it it depends on where the project is and and what really is happening. That's 
all for today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And you can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, or you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Until next time, bye! Bye! Bye!